Welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm producer Ruth Brown. Today I'm talking with Logan Finney of Idaho Reports, who covered this week's ethics hearings regarding complaints made about Representative Priscilla Giddings. Logan, can you walk me through what led up to some of these hearings uh, that began Monday? Sure. Um, so earlier in the year, during the regular legislative session, I staffer or intern uh, came forward with accusations um, toward former representative Aaron Von Ellinger accusing him of uh, sexual assault and that caused a ethics investigation of its own which you covered in great detail for us at Idaho Reports here um, and during that investigation one of the re uh, witnesses that was called was representative Priscilla Giddings and she um, testified kind of in uh, in support of Representative Vong Ellinger. And around the same time, she also posted on her official Facebook page and uh, sent out in her legislative newsletter a link to a uh, conservative blog post which detailed some of the accusations and also included the picture and personal identifying details and the name of the, of the woman who made these accusations. And so several other lawmakers felt that disseminating this information was inappropriate and brought forward complaints to the Ethics Committee. Um, the first complaint was filed individually by Representative Greg Cheney um, pretty pretty soon after the, the posts were made, and then the second complaint was a bipartisan effort that was signed on to by 24 members of the House. Can you walk me through what uh, some of the dynamic was like in the State House on Monday as they worked through the allegations made in the complaints and um, as witnesses were called? What was the environment like there that day? Um, there was a pretty good crowd in, in the hearing room. They had a couple of overflow rooms set up as well that seemed pretty full as I walked by them. Um, there were some supporters of Representative Giddings who were there. There were some, some other folks there who were involved in um, advocacy around the Vong Ellinger matter. Um, Representative Giddings was there and made her opening statements as was required of her and then once she delivered those opening statements uh, pretty much saying I did nothing wrong this is all a political attack against me she left the room uh, while the committee called their witnesses. I deny all of the allegations made against me in their entirety. These accusations are unfounded biased attacks driven by partisan political goals, and I call upon this committee to immediately stop this unwarranted waste of taxpayer funds by dismissing these complaints in their entirety. Should the committee continue, they will be unable to uphold any of these complaints to the satisfaction of any reasonable listener. I believe that based on this committee's previous ethical inquest this year, that there is nothing that I can say or do that will affect the outcome of what I believe is a predetermined verdict. Therefore, I refuse to give this hearing unlimited time and resources. I will not be responsible for wasting any additional taxpayer dollars to prolong this politically motivated attack. And just to be clear, uh, if a legislator is facing an ethics complaint, they do have the right to attend the hearings and cross-examine witnesses, you're saying Representative Giddings simply chose not to. She left. Um, yeah. The, a, a legislative ethics hearing is an internal matter for the House. It's not a criminal procedure. It's not court-related. It's just the House members amongst themselves saying, hey, we think some of your behavior might have been questionable. We want to review the facts and go over and see what should be done about it. Um, 
in that process, the committee calls forward witnesses to gather evidence from the uh, the accused lawmaker is also able to call witnesses and similar to a court trial, there's questions from the committee and then the accused lawmaker can also cross-examine those witnesses. Um, but Representative Giddings said she did not hire legal counsel and she was there to defend herself to the best of her own ability and then left the room and did not avail herself of those opportunities. So Logan witnesses testified on Monday, August 2nd in the ethics hearing. What was that testimony focused on and can you walk me through kind of what was your takeaway from the testimony you heard on Monday? The lawmakers who testified as witnesses Monday morning, there were five of them. Um, among the group was Representative Burke Green who said that she was the lead complainant and uh, organized the effort. Um, when Representative Giddings talks about these complaints. She describes it as the Bedkey complaint and says that uh, the Speaker of the House, Scott Bedkey, is targeting her for political reasons because they're both campaigning uh, for Lieutenant Governor in the upcoming cycle. But Representative Green said that that definitely was not the case. She, along with three other uh, female representatives, Representative Troy, likely in Blanksmouth, she said they split up the roster of members of the House and each reached out to folks individually to see if they'd be interested in signing on to this complaint. It was not our intent and never was our intent to have us a partisan political positioning. So those who signed on because they didn't know, I made it on purpose that they did not know who else had signed the list. So if they signed on, they signed on in their own accord. They signed on as an individual recognizing that the behavior that unfolded was unbecoming of a legislator. They signed on not knowing who the list and who was on that list. And we did that because it was truly important for us that if you did and were a signature, you did it because it was the right thing to do, not because the number of people or those on the list you wanted to be associated with. Towards the end, once I felt confident that I had enough Democrats and enough Republicans, we approached the speaker at the very tail end. And it's because I wanted to make sure that I had a pretty significant list of bipartisanship, at which point we approached the speaker and asked him if he'd like to sign. She said no one knew who else was going to be signing. No one knew how many folks had said they'd agree to sign except for her until the actual morning where they brought people in and actually physically signed things. Um, and then beyond that, we had uh, Representative Cheney, who, like I said, filed a complaint himself uh, and pretty much immediately after Representative Giddings had, had shared that post on her Facebook page. Um, and he also was one of the 24 who signed on to the second complaint. And so he outlined his concerns with um, some of the, the legal issues around uh, retaliation for reporting sexual harassment and, and things of that nature, although the, the committee reiterated multiple times that they weren't there to do a criminal investigation. They were, they were just there to examine the conduct of Representative Giddings. Again, not necessarily accusing anybody of a civil or criminal act, but if there's a standard of conduct that is proscribed by a civil or criminal standard, if a social media post happens to fall below that, um, that's essentially an employee doing something that is in any other context. Uh, would cause their dismissal from a private or public employer. That I, it's it's perfectly appropriate. In fact, it's our our legal duty to, in some way, uh, make clear that that's not acceptable conduct. 
Um, another representative who signed on was Representative Vanderwoude, and he he was kind of the most upfront witness, it seemed, with concerns about her behavior. He he didn't just say that this was conduct unbecoming of a representative. He said this was conduct unbecoming of any member of society. He said that uh, we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard and that it is inappropriate to out someone who's in the middle of a process of reporting sexual harassment. But I believe this is a standard that goes out to the public that you do not out somebody in the middle of a process where there's a sexual harassment complaint, that that person has some, some protection as they file that complaint. And so I, I was really concerned that this person was outed prior to the formal hearing on the, on the complaint against the former representative. And so to me, it's conduct unbecoming to anybody, not just a House member. Pretty much all of these lawmakers also agreed that in the Von Ellinger hearing where Representative Giddings was sworn in under oath to testify, she they all said that she was very evasive and hedged on questions and didn't answer things directly um, and a lot of beating around the bush, which in, in the complaint amounted to uh, appearances of dishonesty is, is how they described it. At some point on Monday, uh, Representative Giddings did testify. She was subpoenaed and forced to answer questions. How did that go? Yeah, like I said, she left the room after delivering her opening statement, but then she, she said she would fulfill the legal requirements of the subpoena, and so she came and testified as a witness. The morning ran pretty smoothly. The, the witnesses came, answered questions, gave their opinions. Of, of what had happened, and then in the afternoon after the lunch break, things kind of ground to a halt, it seemed like. Uh, Representative Giddings objected to, uh, she said that the committee had not given her evidence that she was entitled to. She had concerns about the investigation process. She said the committee is inconsistent in investigating these complaints. She has, in other media outlets, she's accused the the uh, committee chairman, Sage Dixon, of working hand-in-hand -hand with Speaker Bedke to target her. And it was, it was markedly different from, from the witness testimonies of the morning. And then, Mr. Chairman, one more question. Yes. So this book that's in front of me, can you explain um, what, what it is? Those are pieces of evidence, as it were, that uh, Mr. McCurdy may be referring to when he's questioning you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, can you explain why I didn't receive copies of the evidence? I believe, what was that? Oh, well, um, they weren't requested of us. I think most of that uh, is what is public, has been publicly uh, released anyway. But um, we weren't requested of that. I mean, you didn't submit that request to us to give them to you, if there are things in there. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. May I read from House Rule 45? Sure. The accused shall have a full and fair opportunity to obtain and review all of the evidence in support of the complaint. Can you tell me when I was given that opportunity, Mr. Chairman? Maybe when we uh, let you know that we were going to be having this public hearing and that that was open to you, whatever you needed requested, we would have addressed. At that point, we didn't receive that request. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So I needed to request it, is what you're saying, that you interpret Rule 45 to say? That's my understanding. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'll just let the record reflect that um, it says I should have a full and fair opportunity to obtain a review, and this is the first that I am seeing anything of evidence. 
more than willing to give you the time to look at those at this point if you want to before we begin. I'll, I'll start by asking, do you believe that members of the House are held to a high standard of conduct? Mr. McCurdy, I think I was given a subpoena to be here to answer questions, not share my beliefs. But at some point, I would also like to know who um, you're representing. And so you, you were served with the subpoena, is that right? You want to define served. Uh, how did you become aware of the subpoena? I think it was emailed to me. Okay. And so moving on from the subpoena, All right. getting back to my original question, what do you believe is the standard of conduct that members of the House of Representatives should hold themselves to? Mr. McCurdy, I think I was called here to testify regarding facts, not on my beliefs. But I strongly believe in the Constitution, and I believe that we should uphold every word of it. Okay. Um, when you attended the Air Force Academy, did you take an honor code oath? Mr. McCurdy, I have no idea what this has to do with this hearing. Representative Giddings, uh, do you believe that the oath, that the honor code oath that we were talking about, and any oaths related to your service in the House, uh, do you think they carry with it the same uh, requirements for integrity and honesty? Mr. Chairman, Mr. McCurdy, um, sure. Okay. And so do you believe that it's a responsibility of members of the House to uh, deal with each other honestly and um, with full candor? You know, Mr. Chairman, this really, to me, um, I, I'd still like to know who he works for. He's questioning on behalf of the committee. On behalf of the committee? Yes. Mr. Chairman, can you explain that to me? Yes, we have the opportunity to retain counsel to help with this procedure, and that's what we've done. So is this me versus the committee, Mr. Chairman? No, this is you answering questions so the committee can make a decision pertaining to the complaint that was brought regarding you. Okay, Mr. Chairman, so who would be my accusers? The people that are on those complaints that brought the complaint to me, the first complaint. Mr. Chairman, complaint? if I could just offer a, a subtle correction. They're complainants. Yes. And they're not accusers. Correct. Thank you. And this is not a this is a hearing. It's not a trial. It's interesting. Uh, both Speaker Bedke and Sage Dixon are of the same party as Representative Giddings. Of course, they uh, don't always align. But would you call Sage Dixon and Representative Giddings um, all that different? No, they're both two of the more ideologically conservative members of the House. Um, and that was also somewhat reflected in the, in the witnesses that came forward as well. Um, some of the folks who were there in support of Representative Giddings um, had signs and were protesting to the effect that this conservative Christian lawmaker is being targeted for her, for her values and her, her stances on things. But one of the witnesses who was called was uh, Representative Yamamoto from Caldwell, and she said that even even with a, a fellow believer in Christ, we need to uh, own what we say as as people and as legislators. And one of the quotes I've got from her here, she says, we've got to be willing to admit when we made a wrong choice, when we made a mistake. She doesn't back away from owning her truth and telling her truth. Nor that is not a normal 
uh, mode of operation for her. But in this case, that's what happened. And so because of those two things, I felt like that um, when I hear things about what has happened in the past and those representatives being unwilling to hold their own members accountable, I don't want to be counted in that number, even when it is a fellow believer in Christ. Uh, we need to hold ourselves to a, that higher standard that says we're going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and that even though we can do something, doesn't necessarily mean it's the prudent and right thing to do. So that, those were the, my, that was my rationale. Although Representative Giddings is portraying this as political targeting because of her ideology and because of her race against Speaker Bedkey, that was not the picture that I got during the witness testimony. Many people characterized uh, Monday as a combative or tense hearing uh, between the questioning of the committee members and Representative Giddings herself. Is that a fair characterization? Uh, how would you characterize the environment uh, while she was on the stand? I did use the term combative in my story. I would encourage our listeners to go to blog.idahoreports.idahoptv.org and read. I have two stories on the first day of the hearing and the second day of the hearing. Um, Representative Giddings threw up objections pretty much every, every step of the way. She had, like I said, she had complaints about the evidence procedures. She had complaints about which documents the committee was required to publish under House rules. Um, she objected to particular phrasing in, in uh, the questions from the committee counsel. She said she didn't want um, words put in her mouth. Counsel who was questioning her is, is an attorney, although it was not a court proceeding. And so you, you know how attorneys, they lay out a scenario and ask, do you believe this and that? Is that true? and the, the witness has the opportunity to say, yes, I believe that, or no, that's wrong, and this is why. And rather than saying, no, that's wrong, and this is why, Representative Giddings accused them of trying to twist her words and refused to answer a number of questions. So I was there today, uh, Tuesday, for the uh, discussion among the committee members, and I would say one of the uh, one of the factors that seemed to especially irritate the committee members was the fact that she was so combative. Uh, do you think the committee felt Representative Giddings was disrespectful or um, too short with some of her fellow committee members? Um, I'll go back to the witness testimony from Representative Yamamoto who said that uh, at, at some questioning from, from one of the committee members, they asked had Giddings taken the post down and issued a retraction? Um, would you have declined to sign on to the complaint? And Representative Yamamoto said, yes, if she had shown some, some contrition, I, I wouldn't have signed on. Or if she had come before the committee and explained herself and cooperated with the process, I probably would withdraw my name from the complaint. And then that's, that's again what we heard from uh, from the committee members this morning. Representative McCrosty said that if she had come before the committee and cooperated with even the preliminary investigation before this public hearing, things probably could have been settled and the complaints dismissed and none of this would have been brought out in the, uh, I don't remember who said it, but someone said the lights, camera, action style of a, of a public hearing. It could have, could have been dealt with internally and uh, a lot of the 
committee members seemed somewhat disappointed that it, that it had to go this way. On Tuesday, the committee agreed to recommendations to reprimand Representative Giddings. Uh, what does that mean and how does the House move forward with addressing the recommendations made by the Ethics Committee? So the Ethics Committee operates under House Rule 45, which lays out um, three options for potential ethics violations. The committee can dismiss the, the claims, which they did for one of the reports, the, the individual report from Representative Cheney, they said that the, the claims in there were encapsulated in the second report, so there's no need to have two of them. So they dismissed the first one. Um, and then the, the other two options are to reprimand or censure the representative or to expel a representative. Um, so they ultimately voted to reprimand her. They've, they've, they voted to recommend to the House that Representative Giddings be censured and be removed from her seat on the House Commerce and Human Resources Committee. What does a censure mean? I think a lot of people don't really understand what, what that is. Um, procedurally, it's, it's not much. It's a statement of disapproval. It's an official statement. It's a very forceful statement, but it doesn't really have much weight other than saying we disapprove of what occurred. And so under House Rule 45, the Ethics Committee can make a censure with uh, conditions on it and so in this case that was recommending that she be removed from her seat on Commerce and Human Resources. The committee had the option to go a lot further with that in in the the hearing this spring with uh, Representative Von Ellinger they went as far as to recommend that Representative Von Ellinger uh, be suspended without pay, be forced to vacate his office and not return to Capitol Grounds during the session and appoint a substitute to serve in his place. So they're able to make some pretty strong recommendations, but in this instance, they, they simply said that she should be reprimanded and removed from that one committee. How many votes does it take? Uh, it will have to go before the full body of the House. How many votes would it take to um, approve the recommendations of the Ethics Committee? The Ethics Committee does not make any final determinations. They simply make a recommendation that gets passed onto the House. And so a vote for censure and reprimand would take a simple majority vote, 50% plus one. So in the House, which is 70 members, that's half of that is 35. So it would take 36 votes in the House to, to, to adopt these recommendations. The timing of this is a little unique in the fact that it is August, so the legislature is not exactly in session. They are in recess, but they did not formally sign die uh, this year. It's my understanding they're um, subject to call of the speaker to vote on whether or not uh, they should move forward and censure Representative Giddings. They would need to come back. Do you know if Representative Bedke, Speaker Bedke, intends to do that or kind of what's the process moving forward? So again, under Rule 45, uh, if the committee makes a recommendation during the interim, then it gets taken up during the following session. But like you said, because we're not actually adjourned because the House uh, is at recess, I got a statement from the House Clerk, who is uh, the parliamentarian and is pretty much the go-to person when it comes to questions of procedure. And she told us that the matter does need to be taken up during this session, not, not during the following session. So ultimately it is, it is up to House Speaker Scott Bedke to call the representatives back in. Um, I've left voicemails with his spokesman, um, but have not heard anything back at this time. So it, it remains to be seen when this would actually be taken up.
Sure. Do any of the recommendations uh, made by the Ethics Committee impact Representative Giddings' ability to, uh, to vote on the floor or propose legislation? Um, not to my knowledge. Like I said, the, the committee can impose all sorts of requirements on top of a censure, but as far as they went was to recommend that she be removed from that one committee. Um, now that doesn't mean that she won't face additional scrutiny from other House members. During, during the hearing and the process, she um, was not cooperative, was openly combative at times, and so I could see that perhaps tarnishing her, her reputation among, among her colleagues. Um, and although there, there may not be any formal requirements, it is possible that certain committee chairmen could decide not to hear any of her bills or to um, not support bills that she brings in other committees. Um, it it kind of remains to be seen how how the larger caucus beyond just the members of the ethics committee and the representatives that were in the audience it re it remains to be seen how the larger body is going to uh, react to this it is unique in that a matter of months we've had uh, two representatives have to go before a public ethics committee uh, first of course representative von ellinger who's been accused of sexual assault by a legislative intern and now Representative Giddings, who was accused of largely identifying publicly um, that young woman who accused Von Ellinger of assault. Because we've had multiple ethics investigations in a short amount of time, does this decision send any kind of message to other legislators or to their constituents? I mean, will they reevaluate their public reactions and behavior in the future? Um, we did hear some, kind of some of those sentiments throughout the two days. Um, at, the, at the end, when they were giving their, their recommendation, I recall that Chairman Sage Dixon said that uh, we, we as lawmakers should not be contributing to public distrust of the government. He said, of course, there should be some so that the government stays in check, but it, it's unbecoming of us to contribute to that sort of distrust. Um, we also heard that from Representative Yamamoto in her testimony. She said that uh, she's heard stories of past legislatures and legislators who didn't reprimand some of their members for, uh, for questionable actions, and she said, in, in the future, when we're looking back, I don't want to be counted in that number of, of people who are unwilling to hold lawmakers accountable just because, just because we're friends, that sort of thing. So today, several of the Ethics Committee members talked about the First Amendment and the fact that Representative Giddings does have a right to say whatever she wants to say. She has a right to post whatever she wants to post on social media, um, but there's a question of whether just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. Uh, and I suppose that applies to everyone. Uh, in the ethics hearing, talk to me a little bit about some of the discussion that there was around the First Amendment. Representative excuse me, Representative Giddings does indeed have the right to say whatever uh, she so chooses. Yeah, 
During the hearing, there were a few questions that were asked repeatedly to the various witnesses. Uh, Representative Wendy Horman asked every witness if they were aware of any other lawmaker who had, who had disseminated the name and identity of, of the victim, um, and no one was able to come up with that. And then Representative Brent Crane asked all of the witnesses, do you think that we have we being the legislature or perhaps society at large, do you think that we have the right to limit a lawmaker's First Amendment right to free speech? Do we have the right to limit what they're able to post on social media? Um, and kind of the consensus that was eventually arrived at over the course of the hearing was, we're not saying that she can't post these things. She does have a right to publish and and say what she wants to um, but along with that come come consequences you know the first amendment right prevents the government from stopping you from speaking the first amendment does not stop the public from reacting to what you said there are concerns of course regarding women and men not reporting sexual assault for fear that they will be identified um, or you know, public employees uh, are granted rights through the Whistleblower Act, and that at large is to encourage people f to report uh, bad behavior or illegal behavior. What kind of a factor did that play in uh, the hearings and questions that were asked? Um, again, focusing on she does have the right to say what she likes, but with that comes consequences. Much of her defense focused around um, the fact that she wasn't the one who originally published the name. She wasn't the one who... The situation that occurred was during the Von Ellinger hearing, um, Von Ellinger's attorney sent out to various press outlets the, uh, the response that had been written and filed with the Ethics Committee. And in that um, response that he sent out to to the media outlets, the accuser's name was was in the document because there aren't any legal requirements to uh, to redact that sort of thing, and so um, this one conservative uh, blog, Readout News, published an article that included um, all of that information, and then and then later on, um, that same attorney sent out a notice to the to the same distribution list and said this was sent out. Um, and should be retracted. Please destroy any copies that you have that include the uh, the accuser's name, um, and that kind of focused around requests from the committee that her identity be protected. And it, during the Von Ellinger hearing, that was kind of a clunky process of uh, trying to keep the anonymity factor there. And so. Um, then the readout news article was modified so that her name was replaced with the with the pseudonym Jane Doe. Representative Giddings said, "I'm not the editor of of readout news. I don't have any control over over what they write in their stories or what pictures they run with them. I just posted a hyperlink on my Facebook page, and so if posting a link to a news article is a crime, then y you know." In addition to posting it on her official page. Facebook, she also used a, a legislative newsletter, and it's a, that's an official newsletter, correct, that lawmakers are provided with? That is right. That is a service that runs out of the um, 
that runs out of LSO, the Legislative Services Office. Um, and for some lawmakers write their own news newsletters like Representative Giddings, um, and then some just use a, a standard format newsletter that's put together by caucus staff. Several of the witnesses said that because we are elected officials, because we're lawmakers, our words have a special weight to them. There's a gravitas that comes with being an elected official and disseminating this information in a government affiliated newsletter lends a certain credibility. And uh, Representative Cheney said that he didn't think that this article or this publication would have had a lot of traction or a very wide audience to begin with. And that by sharing it on Facebook and sharing it in her newsletter, uh, Representative Giddings spread this information, he argued, far wider than it would have organically. Have you spoken to Representative uh, Giddings since the hearings? And does she have anything to say about that? I've tried to speak to Representative Giddings. Um, like I said, she left after giving her opening statements, but she didn't leave town. She was still at the Capitol um, at around noon. She was out on the Capitol steps with another group of conservative lawmakers in kind of a, a press statement slash rally on the steps against uh, mandated vaccines from healthcare employers here in the Treasure Valley. And then while I was getting lunch downtown, uh, that group of lawmakers <laughs> that she was with came into, uh, came into the restaurant and I was taking my food to go and was sitting at the end of the table. They actually came over and said, hey, can we take your table? And I was like, sure, I'm, my food's to go. I'll give you my seat. And I, I turned to Representative Giddings and I said, well, I've got you here. You know I have to ask you a couple of questions, right? And she gave me a little grin and said, well, you know I'm not going to answer any of them. And then proceeded to, uh, to ignore me kind of for the rest of the day. And then after the conclusion of the hearing that afternoon, she was out in the hallway after being called as a witness. And multiple reporters, myself included, tried to get comments or tried to ask her questions. And she said, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to you and, and pretty much stonewalled us. Moving forward into the 2022 legislative session, do you think these events will leave a certain color on the legislature? Or are we going to try and move forward, pass bills as they are? Um, there have been tensions in the past between um, Giddings and Bedke specifically. She challenges his leadership pretty often. They disagree on a few key issues, uh, the grocery tax, for example, being one of them. Um, when I spoke to Speaker Bedke several months ago, when he first announced that he was running for lieutenant governor, I asked him if this, if this race, this primary race, was going to color uh, the legislative session, and he said he didn't think so. He said that the representatives are professionals and respect each other, and are there to do the people's business was, was the gist of what he said. Um, but if this committee feels like Representative Giddings's actions showed a disrespect for other House members and a disrespect for the process, then I, that very well could carry over into the regular session. All right, well, I appreciate your time today, Logan, and I'm sure Idaho Reports will continue to keep people updated on both the blog and the podcast as uh, the House possibly comes back to vote on these uh, recommendations from the Ethics Committee, but I do appreciate your time. Thank you, yeah, and we also have video footage of, of these recommendations, the closing statements from lawmakers this morning, and that's also on our YouTube channel, and you can find uh, links to the blog, to the podcast, to the YouTube, 
Everything will be there at idahoptv.org slash idahoreports. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.